Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. We're here for week six, breaking down our favorite spread bets, our favorite total of the week, teaser, money line underdog, parlay, survivor pool pick. I am Chris Raybon of the Action Network and... We're going to get to it by breaking down the Thursday night football slate. But just a reminder before we get into that, download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet you make. Now let's get right into our Thursday night football preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. Tonight's matchup features the 2-3 and three New York football giants traveling to Foxborough to face the undefeated 5-0 New England Patriots. The Patriots, 17-point favorites, the highest spread in Thursday night football history. 75% of the bets, 85% of the money on the Patriots. The over-under currently sits at 41. 51% of the bets are on the under 73% dollars wagered on that under here to help me break down this game and all the rest of them as always the prime minister of degenerate nation my guy stucky whose bets you can follow in the action app at stucky too you can also follow mine at chris raybon stuck what to do what's going on brother coming off my first poor nfl weekend in a long time i mean really i had some bad luck i have to say it takes some bad luck to have bad weekends and good luck to have good really good weekends the f- losing the falcons tease was brutal because the texans had third and five with two minutes to go a first down ends the game and they scored like a 50-yard touchdown but my my whole sunday came down to poor capping on the bucks game i have to tip my hat to teddy Check down Charlie Bridgewater, who was slinging the ball. He made a bunch of spectacular throws downfield. And look, that's really what it came down to. And then I had to sit there on Sunday night and watch all of my survivor pools go <laughs> up in flames because of the uh, Chiefs. I mean, it's got a beat up offensive line, too. But when Mahomes can't move, I mean, it just severely limits their offense. He's so mobile that he can get, find his way out of it and then connect downfield. But if he becomes completely stationary, it changes their offense significantly. So that that was a a painful end to the rough Sunday. Yeah. And speaking of beat up, that is what the New York Giants are heading into this game in Foxborough. Already ruled out Saquon Barkley with an ankle, Evan Ingram tight end with a knee, wide receiver Sterling Shepard with concussion symptoms, and Wayne Gallman, the backup running back to Saquon, neck injury, Uh, That is the top four players in scrimmage yards for this Giants offense. They've accounted for 1,184 of the 1 
1,896 scrimmage yards for the Giants offense. That's 62%. They've also scored seven of the team's 11 offensive touchdowns. Uh, and, and a guy who scored one of them, TJ Jones, they cut him a while ago. So uh, this team extremely shorthanded against a Patriots defense, number one in the league, allowing 6.8 points per game stuck. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, and you have your quarterback is healthy, Daniel Jones, but quarterbacks under the age of 25 are 0 and 27. Uh, in Foxborough in the Brady-Belichick era. Look, I've been saying all year, and depending on the number that you got in the Jets game, the total, the New England unders have hit every week. The totals market for New England games is not caught up to who they are. They're like an early 2000s team. Their defense is dominant. It all starts with the secondary. They have three great cornerbacks in Gilmore, McCourty, and Jones. Their secondary is unbelievable. It allows them to do so much up front scheme-wise. You know, and Van Noy and Collins up front are excellent as well. So, look, when coming into this game, I said, I, I bet the under right away. We wrote it up on the Action Network. I, I bet under 44. I think it opened at 46. I think it might cross 40 now. Remember, the 43 is a key number in NFL totals market since the extra point change. Even when healthy, I was looking at this Giants team and I was saying, all right, how are they going to really move the ball without Barkley and Gallman, without these other injuries in Ingram? And, and now their receivers, Slayton, Tate, and Latimer, Without Ingram at tight end, you have Ellison in there going up against this secondary. I mean, they could just man them up. I mean, I don't know how the Giants score. It's, there's going to be bad weather, too. I think they're just going to have to hand it off. They're going to have to punt. Hopefully, they don't turn it over. And the other side, what people have to remember is that New England's offense, this is my other point, it's two-sided with Patriots unders, is that the New England offense is not as good and is not as explosive as it's been. Brady's still going to get his. And, and a lot of it is due to injuries. Let's, let's be frank here. And the offensive line is just not an elite New England offensive line. So, you know, unless New England goes out there and puts up 35-40 in bad weather, which, I, which they could do, uh, I'll tip my hat to them. But I, it's just it's kind of like last week when I said I can't see Washington getting more than 7-10. to 10. And the only reason they did is on a broken play where New England, you know, uncharacteristically missed about 11 tackles. So, look, I'm on the under 44. It gets a little dicier at 40. It's either under or nothing. And I'm thinking about laying it. I don't think I've ever laid 17 in the NFL. But all these injuries on the Giants side on a short week going on the road against this New England defense, I mean, I can't see the under and the Patriots both losing. I mean, the only way that I see this game going over is if New England wins by, you know, 45 and – I easily could see a game being, you know, 31-7 or something similar to what we saw in Washington last week. So I'm thinking about, it goes against everything in my blood and everything I stand for with laying 17 in the NFL, but I'm thinking about doing it here and uh, I'm already on the under. Don't think about it. Just lay it. Here are some trends uh, to kind of help you ease your troubled mind about laying so many points. According to BetLabs, and you can check BetLabs out at BetLabsSports.com, all the kind of interesting uh, against the spread over under money line nuggets that I dropped throughout the episode. Uh, I pretty much get all of them from bet labs. Uh, so you can go check that out. Betlabsports.com. But Bill Belichick uh, going all the way back to 2003 when the Pats are home favorites by 17 or less 89, 53 and three against the spread. That is a 63% cover rate versus sub 500 teams, 67, 40 and one against the spread, 63% cover rate. This is when you back Belichick. This is when you back the Pats. Uh, we also have uh, a Thursday night football against the spread trend that's just primed for regression because overall, uh, home favorites this season are over in terms of covering uh, on Thursday night football. But going back to 2003, 
70, 47, and four, 60% cover rate against the spread. And favorites, uh, home or road, by seven or more points, 38 and 18 against the spread. That is a 68% cover rate. So just a ridiculous, and I'm not a big trends guy. Like I use trends to kind of parse out what teams might have an additional edge that's maybe not going into, you know, a flat out model or, you know, when you're, when you're looking at just the players and whatnot. But um, this is a team, they've been coached by Belichick for so long. Brady's been the quarterback for so long that uh, you can really start to rely on the trends, especially uh, for a team like the New England Patriots. I'm fully behind it. I actually got them at 16. I actually also put a little bit of a wager on the New England money line uh, at minus 850. It's up to minus 1300 now. So uh, probably most people listening don't have the kind of bankroll that's going to facilitate doing much with that. But uh, I feel pretty confident that this New England team allowing under seven points per game is going to give the Giants I think this is a good week for Sony Michelle uh, to try to get right against a shaky defense. Uh, I think you'll see uh, Edelman continue to eat. Grant Haley's been a liability for the Giants. So I think it'll be business as usual uh, for the Patriots and would have no problem laying the points here. One of the reasons that I'm hesitant in doing so is if you just go back historically, back to 2003, you know, and you just look at all double-digit mm-hmm. favorites in the NFL, they're 46.9% against the spread. You know, if you just bet $100, your yeah. ROI is negative 7.2%. You've lost about four grand. You know, that's over a sample size of about 500 games. NFL teams don't run up the score like college teams, and, you know, they don't, they're going to take knees when they can, and these are capable pros that can get in the back door. But the one team that always breaks all of these trends is the Patriots. They, you know, you go you know, flat spots, on the road, against bad team, whatever, you name it, and then you just go against the spread, the best coach, the best quarterback, the best team. It's always the Patriots because they just exude excellence. That's all they care about is, all right, this next drive. We need to perfect this next play. They're not worried about next week or their opponent next week or flat. It's really just about execution, which is why they've been so successful against the spread, even though everyone always wants to bet them. Speaking to myself here, if I'm going to break, you know, my, kind of my uh, rule of thumb in NFL betting, you know, it's a, the Patriots are the team that I should do it with. Yeah, and if you're already currently a BetLabs user, you know, you can filter by everything imaginable from uh, coaches to stats to quarterbacks to road home, days off, whatever. One thing I always do anytime I am kind of researching a trend uh, where it's kind of a broader trend is go and check and uncheck the Patriots filter and see how it changes. Because as you mentioned, Stuck, uh, they are a model breaker, a trend breaker, and have been for two decades plus now. So again, my pick for this week is the New England Patriots uh, by 17, but they could end up winning by a lot more, which makes for a great opportunity for points betting. And you can do that at pointsbet.com. If you're not familiar, points betting is a high-risk, high-reward style of betting only available at the PointsBet Sportsbook in New Jersey. Basically, the more points you, your bet covers by, the more you win and vice versa. This can cash out nicely in high-variance games. So if you like overs, maybe you like betting the over in that Houston-Kansas City game. You think that one will turn into uh, a shootout then you want to try and points bet because if that game hits, let's say, 80, 90 points, you're going to win more than you would have by simply betting on the over. So, again, check that out at Points Bet Sportsbook. 
So basically you would say, you know, I want to bet whatever it is, $20 a point. If you bet on the Texans plus five and, you know, they won by five, then you would get, you know, 10 points, you know, times the $20. But there's also the risk on the other side. So if they would get, if they've got blown out by 40, you know, then you have to pay out, but you can cap it. So you can say, this is my maximum loss and maximum win. The way that I've been thinking about points betting is also handicapping injuries. So, you know, an interesting one to me is Chiefs, Texans, which I think the line is about right, but there's so much injury concern with Mahomes, right? And if he's not mobile and or gets banged up and he can't go, all of a sudden, I mean, the Chiefs could get absolutely ran out of the building without Mahomes. I mean, the Chiefs without Mahomes, I mean, who are they? That's how I think about it too. If there's like a a key player injury risk that you can try to account for and try to capitalize on that upside on a game that you think, you know, I don't think it would be a blowout if both teams are completely healthy, but if Matt Moore and not the Action Network's Matt Moore has to come in, that could get ugly. And now as we do every week, Stuck, let's conclude our Thursday night football breakdown with the coaches' pep talk. This week's pep talk comes as courtesy of Matthew McConaughey from the film We Are Marshall. Great film. And we're dedicating it to Daniel Jones and the shorthanded New York Giants. I want to talk about our opponent this afternoon. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced. And on paper, they're just better. And they know it too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. They're going to need about five different hearts to have any chance at scoring some points in this one. So dedicating that to you, Danny Dimes, and the giant offense suck. Time for the main event. Let's do it. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right. And, of course, the Sunday six-pack is when we each take our favorite three spread bets of the week. Uh, We can be on opposite sides of the same game, but we can't take the same pick. And we'll kind of talk through it and keep score. Uh, Last week, uh, I was actually perfect on mine to pull even with Stuck. 15 all. Yeah, 15-15. Through six, through five weeks, so a whole new ball game, as they like to say, stuck. Uh, I believe it was my pick first this week. Last week, hit with New England minus fifteen, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Also, the the giant Viking total under forty three. You hit with the Carolina Panthers, of course, yet again, and the Falcons, Texans over forty eight. But the Bucks and the Titans both let you down. Santos just missed another field goal. Uh, Four right. field goal misses. Yeah, man. And, and we'll talk about that game uh, right now, actually, because, and you know me, this is, this is totally off-brand for me, Stuck. So, like, get ready for this one. But with my first pick, I am taking the Denver Broncos. Wow. As short home favorites against this Titans team. I come into every week just looking for reasons. Hey, you told me I was crazy yeah. for betting Denver yeah. last week. Uh, and I was wrong. And, but I will say this. Admittedly, I come into every week looking for a reason to bet against the Broncos. Uh, they are covering at only about a 33% rate uh, in the post-Kubiak-Wade-Phillips era. However, when I look for these reasons, that also means I am diving extremely deeply into these Broncos matchups. And I don't like what I see for the Tennessee Titans. And and I talked about this in our Titans-Bills Action Network breakdown in in the game guide last week. Uh, Those are out every week. One of my favorite things to read uh, at actionnetwork.com slash NFL, our ultimate NFL betting guide with with previews for every game. But Tennessee's offense, they struggle. Marcus Mariota struggles if the schemed plays do not work. They worked against Atlanta 
and, and they've worked a couple other times this year. But this Denver defense, I've been kind of piling on Elway, but I think he did hit with Vic Fangio as a head coach, at, particularly for this kind of team, the, the team they are right now, because they were underachieving. They were losing some close games. They were blowing some games that they shouldn't have, have lost. Um, Leonard Fournette went for over 200 yards against them the week before. But Fangio made three really good moves on defense, and I don't know if this is going to get um, noticed enough by the market or even uh, the bookmakers, but they benched Adam Gotsis, the nose tackle, for Mike Purcell. So that added about 40 pounds. And Purcell uh, played really well last week, a big reason why the Chargers ruined a lot of you know bets, teasers, a big reason that, that the Broncos' defense was able to hold them in check because um, they needed more uh, beef up front. That's why Fournette was able to go off against them in, in the second half the week before. Also benched linebacker Corey Nelson for undrafted free agent Alexander Johnson, another player who played extremely well. He adds 30 pounds, so they really fortified their base defense uh, against the run, held the Chargers to uh, under 50 yards with, with Gordon and Austin Eckler. They couldn't get anything going, made a couple of stands uh, up by the goal line. Uh, linebacker Todd Davis also back uh, has come back a couple weeks ago, so that is starting to help the defense. But I think the biggest move, was moving Kareem Jackson, the veteran, from slot corner back to safety. Safety was a position that he was prepared to play, that he practiced all camp. Uh, he's just better there, kind of reading and reacting. Uh, not as good when he has to you know, stick with opposing slot receivers or opposing wideouts uh, step for step. So those three moves combined really fortified this uh, Bronco defense. And now they go against Tennessee. They're number 31 in early down pass success rate and you look at early downs because third downs the, the, the distance varies uh coverages get are different you're, you're running specific kind of plays there's specific packages so you can kind of remove some of the noise and it becomes more predictive when you look at early downs uh tennessee number 31 passing denver number six on defense uh tennessee also number 21 running early down success rate uh and denver 17 so denver has the the advantage uh, on, on both of the run and the pass game when Tennessee's on offense. And then when you look at the Denver offense, they've played better than expected. I will give them that. They are actually number five in early down pass success rate. Tennessee's 23rd on defense. And Denver number 10 in early down run success rate. Now, Tennessee is number six. But Denver has the advantage almost everywhere you look in this game. And then you talk about the, the Titans going out and, and signing a new kicker, uh, Cody Parkey, the double doinker, the infamous double doinker. Brandon McManus knows how to kick in this mile high air. Does Cody Parkey know how to kick? We'll see. He's probably not as bad as, as, as all the doinks. But, again, this is a guy who I just – I can't trust a guy that goes on like a talk show tour – after he double doinks uh, and his team loses in the playoffs like this, that's the time when you're supposed to kind of, you know, it's all about the team. I'm going to get better. Um, that's probably why he was unemployed. So uh, a lot of reasons. I, I think the Broncos and Titans are a, a lot more similar with, with, with Fangio making some good decisions for that defense. And this is a Titans team. Listen, couldn't do anything against Buffalo last week. I think it's a similar type of game, low scoring game. I would bet the Broncos uh, as long as they were two and a half or under. Look, you mentioned special teams. I mean, I think Parky just needed to change the scenery. I mean, this, we're talking about a guy who was a Pro Bowl kicker before. Now, I will say his first kick is going to go a long way. If he misses his first kick, who knows what's going to happen in, inside of his head. I'm shocked by this pick that you're making because you're betting on the Broncos and you're betting against the Titans who 
they just win the games that you don't think they're going to win. I mean, they just the team you never figure out. Like they they roll the Browns and they come home and lose. Browns suck. at home home to the Colts. The Browns then, suck. You just listen. They weren't supposed to win that game. They were six point dogs. <laughs> then they saying, come home, the they lose suck. to the Titans. Then they go to the Jags, they lose, and then everyone's writing them off. Then they go to the Falcons and win, and now everyone says, "Oh, the Titans," and they lose at home to the Bills on four missed field goals. The Broncos, I said it last week, weren't as bad as their record indicated. They were in every game. They lost two games in the last second. They were in the game against Green Bay. I think it's just going to be a close, low-scoring game. The total's below 40. Tennessee is catching two and a half. You can have your cover if you get it, but this is a perfect teaser piece. This is a tease for my teaser. Teasing Tennessee over eight uh, through three, four, six, and seven in what should be a low-scoring game. It should come down to, you know, a few turnovers or two who can execute in the red zone. Good defensive teams would I expect to be very low-scoring. And Tennessee was the favorite before last week when Denver went on the road and got the win and Tennessee lost at home. Now I get them plus two, and I don't want to take them in a game I think is pretty much a coin flip, but I'll tease them up to plus eight and a half. You know, I'm a, I'm a good guy, so hey, I, hey, hope you, hey. I hope you cover. Hey, I just want to say one thing. Don't sell me short on my, my – it's still two, not two and a half at, at, on the app and at more sportsbooks than not. So don't try to take my, my, my little hook away, number one. But number two, it's really – it just comes down to I will always bet against teams that are disadvantaged in the passing game, especially when they're going on the road. And this is just a spot where, again, not on brand for me, but I, I think it's a more of a coin flip on a neutral field. Um, so getting Denver uh, at anything less than three, I think, is still the right play. But let's go, Stuck. You got to get back on track because now we're even again. You know, we both talked our trash early on in the season at different times. Uh, who you got f- for your uh, go-to? Two well, this week's all about, as it is most weeks with me, overreactions in the NFL. And look, you just said it. Cleveland sucks. That's now <laughs> the sentiment that, that Cleveland sucks. And so I'm going with the Browns. They were, I think, a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite before last week. And they lost in a spot. And I talked about this in the Sunday pod. This is an awful spot for the Browns. Back-to-back road games after, you know, going across country after that win over the Ravens. The 49ers off a bye. The 49ers just match up really well with them because of their defensive front. Well, now Cleveland comes home. Everyone's written them off. And now it's time to jump back on the Browns against this completely fraudulent Seattle team. People, they, they stink. They have just Russell Wilson, and that's it. They should have lost to the Bengals at home. They got 500 yards to the fucking Bengals. The Bengals can't score against anybody, you know, except the Cardinals late in the game. I mean, they had 10 points against the Cardinals in the fourth quarter. They should have lost to the Bengals. Then they beat the Steelers by two after Roethlisberger goes down. Then they lose to Teddy Bridgewater at home. Then they beat the Cardinals. So does everyone except the Bengals. And then they beat the Rams at home in a game where somehow the Greg the Leg misses a field goal. I mean, this is the most fraudulent 4-1 and one I've ever seen in my entire life. And look, the Browns have a lot of issues, mainly on the offensive line. They're 26 in adjusted sack rate. <clears throat> not a problem for Seattle. Seattle does not get pressure. Go look at all their edge rushers. None of them get pressure. I think they're 25th in adjusted sack rate. Seattle on defense, they're also 21st against the run. So, you know, so they have no edge rush, which is going to be huge for Baker Mayfield to be able to stay in the pocket and then take advantage of, and I'll say it every week, take advantage of Seattle's secondary, mainly Tedrick Thompson. And I said the Rams would just rip them apart, which they did. And Baker Mayfield at home tends to play his best. They hate to go to the narrative route against the wall when everyone says they stink. That's when Baker usually shows up. He should be able to get the ball downfield here, have time in the pocket, because that's essentially ruined their entire offense. If you can get pressure off the edge against the Browns, it's going to ruin their offense. And, and Baker deserves some of the blame as well, because he's bailing way too quick. But Seattle doesn't get pressure. So, you know, with their questionable safeties and, and their scheme, 
And Tedrick Thompson still remains the worst free safety in football for my money until I see otherwise. And he grades accordingly. Um, I think this is a get right game for the Browns. I know it's a short week. You know, so there's the, the rest and prep advantage for Seattle, but I like the matchups here. And also you have to remember the Browns are getting healthier today at practice, both Ward and Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, both practice Kendall Lamb, one of their offensive linemen who they can use at left tackle or right tackle. If one of their guys is struggling or depth, or they may even start them, who knows? So they're actually getting healthier down the secondary. That will help. Seattle it has one piece, and that's it. And that's Russell Wilson. And you're going to have two coaches who are going to try to coach a loss here. Kitchens and uh, our boy Pete chewing gum. But I'll take Baker at home here in a line that's just a complete overreaction to what happened last week. I thought, and nothing changed from my opinion, I thought that the Seahawks would lose in a complete shootout but I made it a pick and that game was a coin flip and a complete shootout. And then I thought the Browns would lose. And all I wanted to do is bet the 49ers live. And that's what happened. So nothing changed to me, but the line has moved three and a half points. Take advantage of this overvalued Seattle team in their ridiculous four and one record um, and bet the Browns at home. And when I'm rolling with the Browns, my top pick, you know, I got to like it. So that's where I'm going. Cleveland. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, both kind of off-brand picks for us. I got to push back just a little on this Browns pick because I actually do like the Seahawks in this spot. I thought I was good at fantasy football, and then I ranked Baker Mayfield as a top-five quarterback. So I think that things have changed. I think that, you know, now five games into the season, I think Freddie Kitchens, uh, it, it's proven to be a struggle for him coaching this football team. We've seen some questionable de- decisions from him that make me think that other attention to detail is lacking. Like, for example, uh, you know, in the two primetime games, in the first one, they win against the Jets, but he has Mayfield in there up, you know, multiple scores late, and he's, like, dropping back the pass and gets hit. And, and uh, like, if he got injured, like, you know, what happens if somebody falls on his legs or, or whatever? And then in loss to San Francisco, they take out Mayfield late in the game. They're, they're down uh, four touchdowns. But they still have Nick Chubb in there, and they hand him the ball only to get a three-yard – it's like, why are you handing Nick Chubb the ball up the middle after you just took up your, out your quarterback? You're essentially saying, hey, this game's over, white flag, we need to conserve our best players for Seattle, who long week of rest after the Thursday night game. And you're, you're, you have Chubb out there without the, with the backup quarterback. You have Odell Beckham out there returning punts, which I don't care if he wants to do it. The bottom line is that game was already, you know, out of hand. And, and, and we've seen guys, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, I think you remember Jason Seahorn, they put him on like a kick return in the preseason and he was lost for the year. You just don't do these kind of things. So it makes me wonder about other aspects of the game plan. And then you just look at the, the matchup. Seattle, behind that Russell Wilson-led attack, number two early down success rate uh, in terms of passing on offense, uh, and number 13 with the run. Uh, Cleveland's defense uh, has been decent against the pass number seven, but they're 24 against the run. We saw the Niners go off. But what worries me is – their offense because 29th in early down pass success rate is the Cleveland offense 31st uh, with the run. And that's despite Chubb having some huge statistical games. Uh, It hasn't necessarily been that consistent sustaining run game. It's been some great plays by Chubb, some long gainers, uh, great for fantasy, but it hasn't translated to, uh, you know, keeping Mayfield in good situations. And then you talk about, okay, well, they don't get pressure. Well, they don't get pressure. I think Troy Aikman said it on on the telecast uh, last Thursday when Seattle played the Rams. They are playing coverage more than they have at any point in in Pete Carroll's tenure uh, sitting back. And sure, Baker Mayfield has had a lot of problems dealing with pressure. He's bailing too quickly. We saw that in in the the 49ers game on Monday night. But, but, and I think this reared its ugly head uh, in the Rams game that that they had on primetime. Baker Mayfield's also been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when he holds the ball. 
when, when he has time, when he has 2.5 seconds or more, he's ranked 33rd out of 37 qualifiers uh, in passer rating per pro football focus. So Baker Mayfield hasn't been good in any situation. This has been a bottom four offense for whatever reason until Freddie Kitchens, I think, gives us a reason to back him. And he's given us none. So, like, I actually do like Seattle here. I think you're reacting to what, what you saw last week. And, look, I mean, this team's really young and immature, so they're going to they're gonna have ups and downs like this. And then you mentioned their coverage has been good. Well, they now get their two best corners back. So that's only going to help. And the reason that Seattle is playing so much coverage is because they play historically – just like San Fernando's, it's the Pete Carroll tree. They play cover three, and they have no fucking free safety. Hedrick Thompson is horrendous, and teams are still throwing it down the field on them, and they're still trying to sit back. There, You'll see them play too deep and all because they don't have a free safety. If they don't have a free safety, you can't you know, play cover three and trust them in the middle of the field. So, and they're, you know, they're, they're, I don't even trust their corners. I don't trust any of their safeties. So Seattle is not going to kill you out of the back, throwing out of the backfield, which is one of the biggest weaknesses of the Browns and their terrible linebacker. Hey, they won the game doing that last week. San Frank did it so uh, much better. So basically all you have to do is worry about Clowney. Ansa, Rasheem Green, they've been awful off the edge. That's it. The Browns can scheme that. I like Cleveland. Don't let me down, Browns. Where are you going to your second pick? Yeah, so I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals, plus 2.5. Ray Bonds betting on Kyler Murray. And Yeah, of course I am. Because, listen, this Falcons team is another team that I think we have to adjust. Like, it's not just a last week thing. This has been a cumulative thing now this season. The Falcons are not as good as we thought they were. Dan Quinn, you know, when you see a coach, I thought that they would be better because he kind of knew what to do. Um, but, but now it, it doesn't look as good. It looks more like, you know, he was scapegoating guys on both sides of the ball. He continuously firing offensive coordinators, uh, defensive coordinators. This is a team that's just not been good. They make mistakes that they shouldn't make. Houston last week said, hey, we knew exactly what was coming on defense. Um, and now, hey, they can go and try to switch it up now after, you know, that's been the narrative. But the bottom line is they're also not very talented on defense. They lost one of their best players uh, on the back end, Keanu Neal. So it's a wonder that – um, you know, their defense is struggling and gave up 50-plus last week. Then on the other side of the ball, the offense, yeah, they'll score some points. But this is one of the worst teams uh, has been for now oh, the better part of a year and a half at turning production and big numbers into actual points. So uh, this, this just strikes me as a game where, yeah, we're giving the Falcons a, a lot of credit for, you know, what they have been a couple years ago and they're going on the road against a, a one-win team and we think, oh, get right spot for the Falcons. I don't know about that in this spot. Give me the points with Arizona. Dan Quinn, as a favorite, one thing I always like to do is just see, you know, how is this coach kind of uh, brought his team into games it, at different expectations. And I think looking at uh, against the spread records in different spots for coaches kind of gives you an idea of that. Dan Quinn as a favorite, 16 and 29 against the spread. He covers only 36% of the time. If you made a $100 bet every time uh, against Dan Quinn as a favorite, you'd have a 25% uh, ROI. So, you know, this is – I think Arizona is starting to improve a little bit. I think Kingsbury and this team at Kyle Murray, they'll improve as the year goes along. Obviously, a lot easier next week when, when Patrick Peterson comes back. But uh, they did let go of DJ Swearinger, who was the weakest link uh, on that back end. Byron Murphy's getting better. Um, teams have been really inefficient when targeting him over these past couple of weeks. Atlanta's offensive line, not right. Uh, I think this is a matchup between two bad teams. Uh, so give me the home team getting points. And interestingly enough, usually you don't like to take the, the two and a half. You want the three here, but uh, two and a half point 
home underdogs. If you go back to, to all the games in our Bet Labs database since 2003, two and a half point home underdogs, 69 and 49 against the spread. That is a 58% cover rate. It's a, it's a weird week this week, I think. So give me the Cardinals as short dogs at home. I think the Falcons are bad too. Look, I want no part of this game. I don't want to bet Cliff Kingsbury, this Arizona team, which is so bad in so many ways. A lot of it's due to injuries. They don't have their corners. Their offensive line is a train wreck. It's just bad. But I said last week, if Atlanta has anything in the tank, they'll show up. And they, you know, they did to a certain extent. But now, look, I, I, this team might quit. And I think Quinn has to go. And if, I think it's going to get bad in that locker room. If I were to bet this game, and I, maybe I will. I mean, the, the total has gone up a little bit. i potentially look at the over. I know it's really pr- probably a public side to take. But, you know, I think it opened at 47, which was too low. Now it's up to 51, which makes it a little tougher. But Arizona's going to go really fast. They're going to spread out Atlanta, which is, you know, dealing with the loss of their safety and their secondary is iffy, and they don't get a ton of pressure. So, you know, and I assume – you know, your boy can run around Murray when he's, you know, doesn't find anyone downfield. In Atlanta, even if they quit, they're, they're still capable of putting up a lot of, a lot of stats. They're all fast. Still yeah, show not, not necessarily always points, though. I think it could turn into a shootout, but I want no part of that game whatsoever. So I'm going to move on to another disgusting game for my second pick. Uh, and I'm taking the Jets plus seven and a half against the Cowboys. It does hurt that Herndon the Jets tight end came back. He's supposed to come back from suspension and he ended up hurting his hamstring. It looks like he won't play, which is does hurt. But Sam Darnold, and I'm not the biggest Sam Darnold fan, but him coming back is such an upgrade over Luke Falk. It's ridiculous. Now the Jets didn't run Luke Falk with the first team last week, which is a huge mistake. And then, then threw him into the fire. He might be the worst go down. If he never starts again, is the worst starting quarterback in NFL history. And this is in a league that has, you know, Mitch Trubisky. He has, he finished with a 10, a 10, quarterback rating 10 I mean zero touchdowns three picks it's just absolutely brutal so Sam Darnold will at least give their offense some hope some you know a chance at throwing the ball downfield Robbie Anderson maybe can catch a catch a ball again if they still have Le'Veon Bell you saw what the Packers did to that Cowboys run defense last week but this is, you know, so the line was nine, nine and a half with maybe Darnold's going to play. And then Darnold got announced and it's still seven and a half. It's basically no difference. It's in the dead zone. I think this should be closer to six, six and a half. And on top of that, you know, you're going to get the, the Jets are getting a little healthier. So they're going to have, I believe it does hurt that Mosley, I don't think is coming back this week. I think he's listed as doubtful Yeah, he looks or like that's, that's the expectation, but they are still getting some help at linebacker. So Brandon Copeland comes back. Jordan Jenkins also should go. So they're getting some help in the linebacker core, which they need. Safeties have been great. Defense has actually played pretty well, given all the injuries they've had and the situations that the offense has put them in. And look, I think this line should be six. So when Darnold, uh, you get Darnold in there instead of Falk, I think it's a field goal difference. So this line immediately should go under seven, and it didn't. And then you throw in the fact that Dallas is not fully healthy at their most important positions. And that's an offensive tackle. Now, Tyrone Smith and Lyle Collins could both play. They didn't practice today or they were very limited. So they could play, but they're banged up. If one of them doesn't go, it is just an enormous difference in their offense when they don't have those two stud offense tackles, two of the best in the NFL. Everything, everything builds off of that. So before the year, people were hopeful about the Jets. There was, uh, they're going to go eight wins, I nine wins. I wasn't either, but I'm just saying, now the, this is rock bottom. And you're getting their quarterback back. You're getting some linebacker pieces back. 
I think Lev Bell could do some things. You have a chance of throwing the ball down the field. Dallas with a banged up offensive line. This line is just, plus you have the Jason Garrett factor. He can mess this up. Uh, this line just over touchdown. I got to take the Jets. So that's what I'm rolling with my second pick. Yeah. And, and to your point, uh, the Dallas Cowboys currently getting 73% of the bets. Teams that scored less than 10 points in their last game that are also getting 31% or less of the bets uh, do cover at a 62% rate going back to 03. I low, baby. Yeah. So this is one of those spots. Uh, Dak, though, with, with Jason Garrett is 13, 5 and 2 against the spread, uh, 64% in terms of. Uh, covering against sub 500 teams. So a lot of interesting trends at play here. Uh, Going to move on to my third pick. And this is a game we'll talk about a little because I know we're on opposite sides. The uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, plus three, I actually got it at three and a half, but plus three uh, going to LA to play the Rams. Now, listen, I know the first thing that everyone's probably going to say is, okay, San Francisco dealing with some injuries uh, to, to some guys who block. Certainly shouldn't go unnoticed. Uh, Staley, the left tackle, McGlinchey, and, and Juszczyk look like they're going to miss. But uh, I don't think that uh, the Rams are quite as good as we think, and I think the Niners are a lot better than we think. Um, and, and I felt this before, uh, you know, obviously they dismantled the Browns. I think that was more that, that reflected more poorly on the Browns than it did on the Niners being – uh, good. They missed some field goals. They still have issues to clean up. But I think this defense is really where it's important. They are number one in early down success rate against the pass, uh, LA ninth on offense. And then San Fran also 11th in early down success rate against the run and LA is 17th. Uh, so they, you know, San Francisco's defense should have at least uh, an even matchup, if not the advantage when LA takes the field. And Jared Goff, he's going to struggle under pressure. He's similar to Mayfield in that if you can pressure him and rattle him, it doesn't matter how much talent they have on the field. It doesn't matter the play calls. Like Jared Goff can muck it up. And we saw that against Tampa Bay. We have saw it for like the past 16 games now. I think they're getting a little overrated. I think the three points that you're giving LA for being at home, a little bit overrated in a spot because it's not really a road game. You know, it's in-state, interstate for, for San Francisco. So it's not really a road game. Yes, they are in a short week. But, uh, you know, I just don't think that uh, these teams are too different. And I think San Francisco playing better right now, they were able to really mask, you know, because Staley was out last game as well. And Shanahan is one of the best at scheming in non 3-1 personnel, which most of the league uses. He's very good at scheming with heavy personnel. I think they'll see some of that. And they're, they're rotating so many players on offense at the skill positions that I think it's tough for, because, you know, Wade Phillips, a great schemer, uh, one of the best to ever do it. But you don't know exactly what the Niners are going to do because they're, they're rotating every week. Different receivers are playing, different backs are, uh, are mixing in. So, uh, I like the 49ers' chances to cover. I like the 49ers' chances uh, of a flat-out upset. So tell me why I'm wrong. I couldn't disagree more. I would have – if you weren't going San Fran, then I think I would have went the Rams with my first overall pick. Um, but this is a this will be worth two points anyway since we both have it. Um, I The Rams dipped to minus three, minus 115 during the week, and I grabbed them. I still like them at minus three and a half, minus four. Look, and I was the one preaching the Rams regression, Rams regression, which has come. But this is a classic buy low, sell high spot in the NFL after everyone saw San Fran roll Cleveland on Monday night. Now you talked about Shanahan scheming and prep. Short week against LA who's had extra time to prepare. So now you get McVay and Phillips on a long week after a Thursday night game. Yeah, I mean, look, this San Fran team, they beat bad Jameis, the Bengals, and then they barely beat the Steelers, and then they beat the Browns in a good spot. Their numbers say they're really good, but their schedule's been very favorable. They also had a buy in there. But the Rams, I talked about this when the Rams play Seattle. The Rams offense is built to shred this defense. This is the Pete Carroll cover three defense. 
What did they do to Seattle last year? They scored 36 and 35. They scored 30 again or should have with the field goal this year. Last year against the 49ers, because the 49ers don't have safeties, and that's what they're going to exploit. The Rams scored 39 and 48 points against the 49ers. They absolutely drilled them, drilled that defense. They just put, those, put their safeties into a headlock and strangled them. They're going to do it again here, but the biggest thing to keep in mind is Kyle Juszczyk. He changes now in a short week, losing him. People give Booger a ton of shit, as they should, for shit that he says. But he said that Kyle Juszczyk's the most important person on that offense. And, you know, you could argue Kittle. But without Juszczyk, Kittle's going to have to block now. He's going to have to help block on Donald, help block on Brockers, et cetera, Fowler. So Kittle, and look, the 49ers haven't had a great downfield passing attack with Samuel and Goodwin. It's all their scheme and their zone running. But Juszczyk does so much. He picks up, he can pick up any blitz, his run blocking, his pass blocking, out of the backfield, they run, their most successful formation is the 22, your, you know, 21, they, they use a fullback, only the Patriots, the, they use the fullback more than anyone else in the NFL, the Patriots are second. Without check, their entire offense changes. You're now going to have, I don't even know, and you're going to have Dwelly, I guess, Ross Dwelly is going to come in as a second tight end, maybe they'll put him in the backfield, but everything changes without check. That whole zone running game, all of his blitz pickups, him in, in catching the ball, and then also Kittle is going to now have to compensate and help block. So this whole offense falls apart, especially on a short week. I mean, how much can you scheme against the Rams? So the loss of Juszczyk, I'm telling you, remember me saying that. This 49ers offense, he was so important to it. Number one fullback in blocking and you, you name it. This guy is pro bowler since 2016 for a reason. That is going to severely hamper this San Fran offense. It's going to become a lot easier to defend them now. I love the Rams and this buy low, sell high spot. And their offense should shred these San Fran safeties, which really haven't had to work this year. They scored 39 and 48 last year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams score 40 again this week. I, I still like the Niners. I think that the issue for me is, is Jared Goff going up against a strong defensive front. Um, I think that's why the safeties haven't had to work. So um, this should be an interesting one. One of the games looking forward to uh, this week, and that probably will decide who uh, ends up winning the week between you and I. Uh, those were our against the spread picks for the Sunday six pack. Now let's jump into our favorite over under of the week. Stuck, who you got for your favorite total of the week? Yeah, we went with an over last week. We're going to go with an under this week. I do kind of like the San Fran over, but I'm going to go with the Sunday night football to get – a plug in there for that game. Chargers, Steelers, under. Look, the Chargers offensive line is still an absolute disaster. And you're going against the strength of the Steelers defense and their defensive front with Tuitt and Hayward and Dupree and Watt. They're going to cause havoc all day against Rivers. It's going to really – and the Chargers are so banged up across the board. Uh, so it's going to really hamper their offense. And the Steelers on the, on the offensive side, look, I mean – they're down Samuel, and now they're probably going to be down Mason Rudolph. But regardless, even if Mason Rudolph goes, or if it's Devlin Hodges, um, who, look, I was actually a, a fan of when he was at Sanford. We talked about them on the college pod. He's not but, bad. Yeah, look, uh, this, the offense is not going to be electric. They're going to have to run the ball a ton. And keep, in, keep this in mind with the Chargers. They're the slowest team mm-hmm. in the NFL by far. You watch mm-hmm. Rivers. He waits until there's one on the play clock and he snaps the ball every fucking play. So you have that on your side as well. Uh, but I think the Steelers defense is going to really step up here because they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. 
against the Chargers. So I'm going under there. Where are you going? Uh, Tennessee, Denver talked about it earlier, so I won't reiterate, but I think uh, Denver has the, the advantages in terms of their defense against Tennessee's offense. Both of these teams in the top 12, an explosive pass rate allowed. So if they do score, they're going to have to go uh, up and down the field most likely. And, uh, and on top of that, you get a little extra bonus because Tennessee uh, could have some kicking issues in Denver. And who knows, they might attempt field goals instead of going for it, which actually helps uh, sometimes uh, because there is some mile high air. So uh, I, I like the game under 39 and a half. Uh, Denver in the post-Manning era, the under is 32 and 20, 62%. And, and Tennessee's unders are 12 and nine uh, with Mike Vrabel. And now, without further ado, let's get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. Okay, in this segment, we each pick a standard six-point two-team teaser. That means you get six extra points for each bet to widen the spread in exchange for a slightly reduced payout. Where are you going this week? Yeah, I still can't believe Atlanta didn't cover that teaser, but we move on. Um, I'm going – I already mentioned – that I'm teasing the Titans up to eight, eight and a half. Uh, just a perfect teaser spot in a low-scoring game uh, to get, move you know, a team who I think should, should be around a pick up through three, four, six, and seven to eight. And I'm going to pair it with the Bucks in London, the 9.30 start. I would play the Bucks straight up here, but I am concerned about the travel. I mean, what is the NFL doing to the Bucks? They were in L.A., and then, you know, two weeks ago, then last week they're in New Orleans. Now they go to London for a home game. And then next week they're in Tennessee and then in Seattle. I mean, God, that's ridiculous. That's five straight road games. Well, you know, the London game in between, which is considered their home game and the hardest travel of all. So they're, they're, the travel, you know, could be, you know, could catch up to them here. But catching over seven in the game, I make a coin flip. The Bucks already beat. The Panthers earlier this year in Carolina. I'm sure Carolina will have that on their mind. Uh, but I think the Bucks bounce back here. Uh, in a, and this, this will be a close game. Go right down to the wire uh, like the first one did. So I'll take the Bucks, who I think should be a pick just like the Titans, and tease them up through three, four, six, and 7. I am going with the Los Angeles Chargers again. Uh, teasing them down to uh, a half a point favorite. And then the Cowboys, they're at minus seven right now, so teasing them down to a one-point favorite. Listen, with the uh, Chargers, again, I feel like they should win this game. They proved me wrong last week. But uh, Mike Tomlin is 31-17-2, against the spread as an underdog in his career. And as you like to mention, Stuck, uh, the, the Chargers under Anthony Lane just 6-11-1, and 11 and 1, 35% cover rate at home. So I definitely want to tease that down and just kind of bet on them winning the game, not by how much. Uh, and then for the Cowboys-Jets, it's another game where, yeah, like Dak, um, they usually take care of business 13-5-2 uh, and two against the spread, against sub-500 teams. But uh, I do think that this could be a closer game than we think. And they might try to run the ball a little more. And the game just might not get away from the Jets uh, the way we have seen with Luke Falk at quarterback. So, yeah, you're going Titans plus eight, Bucks plus eight, five. I am going Chargers minus a half a point and the Cowboys by a full point. And now it is time for our underdog Moneyline Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, so last week we broke our streak. Both of us lost. Tampa Bay, uh, Pittsburgh for me. Who you got this week? By the way, I told you. What did I tell you? Mark this down. 
is field goal game. recorded. <laughs> Ravens a win by a field goal. Of course. Um, uh, look, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. I already gave all the reasons for it. Cleveland rocks. I'll be wearing my orange this weekend. How about you? I am going with the Arizona Cardinals. It's not a week where I love underdogs consider the 49ers but I really think that the Falcons they're kind of going down this Redskins path of just man the the coach is probably not as good as he should be Uh, the team could be checking out and they're just making and they're just finding ways to to lose games so uh, I think again Kyler Kingsbury they will improve as the season goes on they'll get some things figured out starting to see that a little bit on defense covering cover tight ends better last game uh, you know Swearinger out there so Browns plus 110 Cardinals plus 120 that money line parlay would pay out 3.6 to 1 to calculate payouts for parlays or any other bet go to actionnetwork.com forward slash betting dash calculators and now we'll quickly cover the best of the rest all of the games that didn't make it into any other segment starting with the Washington Redskins visiting the Miami Dolphins in a battle of winless teams the Redskins are three and a half point favorites 58% of the bets 54% of the money on the Miami Dolphins and the total sitting here at 41 56% of the bets but only 41% of the money on the over. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast couple other big games that probably don't offer as much betting value as fan interest. We got the Houston Texans going to KC. KC, a four-and-a-half point favorite, getting 59% of the bets, but only 40% of the money. Watson, 7-2 and two against the spread as a road underdog. The over-under is at 54. 70% of the bets on the over, 74% of the money on the over, but the under 34-19-1 in the Andy Reid era. Uh, the Eagles go to Minnesota to take on the, the Vikings. 69% of the bets, 75% of the money on Philadelphia. Matthew Friedman has a great article out now on actionnetwork.com where he mentions Mike Zimmer, 29-12-1 against the spread at home. 32-15-1 as a favorite. 39-13-1 outside the division. But I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Philly defense, ninth and fifth in pass run, early down success rate, actually better than Minnesota, ranks 19th and 16th. The total is 44, 72% of the bet, 69% of the money on the under. Mike Zimmer home unders, 26 and 16. That's a 62% hit rate. Yeah, in regards to the Chiefs, I mean, it comes down to the health of Mahomes and the injury report is going to be so critical. So keep an eye on that later in the week. We'll have articles covering that game. Philly, Minnesota is an interesting game because I think it just comes down to can Philly's defensive line cause enough havoc against that weak Minnesota offensive line to compensate for the secondary, which should get carved up if Cousins has time or he rolls out. The receivers have a big advantage against that weak, beat-up Philly secondary. So that's the matchup to watch. What do you think about the Saints? New Orleans at Jacksonville, the Jags, one-point favorites. 76% of the tickets coming in on New Orleans here, but only 40% of the money. Uh, Also, the total is at 44.5. We're also seeing some split action. 57% of the bets, but only 15% of the money on the over. Teddy Bridgewater, 26-7 and now, career against the spread. 
yeah, it's unbelievable. But I, I think I might be fading him again. I think on the road, Peyton's going to treat him more as a game manager again. And this is a different secondary than the Bucks' awful secondary. They should be able to generate some pressure as well. I'll be looking at the Jags. Stay tuned on the app to see if I end up putting it in. The last game on the docket is Cincinnati at Baltimore. Baltimore, 11.5-point favorites. Cincinnati, 58% of the bets, 51% of the money. Total at 48, 62% of the bet, 72% of the money. On the uh, under interesting trend I found uh, for this game is we tend to overvalue Harbaugh's teams a bit uh, when Baltimore is a home favorite in the division. Uh, he is just 10, 19, and 1 against the spread in those spots. If you faded him, you would have a 26% ROI. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is that Ravens defense, man, it's allowing 6.9 yards per play. And they've had an easy schedule. That's 31st in the NFL. Only the Dolphins have allowed more. And now they lost Tony Jefferson. Hopefully Jimmy Smith comes back healthier. But the secondary is a mess. The missed assignments might continue. But it's a really good matchup at home for the Ravens. The biggest strength of the Bengals, they don't have a lot going for them, is their defensive line. And it plays right into the Ravens' offensive line, which is one of their strengths. Um, So I think the Ravens really could name it here. But their defense is definitely a concern. And now we'll close out with our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. One pick, one chance to advance, Survivor. Stuck, I just want to gloat over you. I outlasted you in Survivor. Uh, Lunch on me. You went with Kansas City last week. But I will admit, if you follow me in the app, you you know that I also bet Kansas City on the money line. So nothing else to say about that, but what a dumb bet. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. Yeah, look, sometimes injuries happen, and that's the risk with one-game survivor scenarios. So, yeah, I went up in flames with the Chiefs. Yeah, so, I mean, with you eliminated, I'm just going to go ahead now and go with New England since I haven't used them yet. Uh, But if you weren't able to choose New England, uh, who would you pick this week, Stuck? Uh, You know, I would probably either go with the Ravens. Um, You know, the Pats are also safe as well. But if you haven't used the Ravens, I definitely feel safe using them. Um, Other than that, there's, you know, a lot of close games. And I don't like these road teams, so Dallas kind of scares me. If you want to get a little riskier, maybe go Chargers. Yeah, I I think that's the same way I'm thinking. So we'll see how it turns out next week. Uh, Be sure to listen to the other podcasts on the Action Network podcast channel. Stuck and Colin Wilson will be doing uh, a couple of college football podcasts Friday and Monday uh, before uh, we're back next Wednesday. And myself, Matthew Friedman, Sean Corner will do the Fantasy Flex podcast that comes out uh, on Wednesday early Wednesday. So that does it for another episode. Follow Stucky at Stucky2 on Twitter. You can follow me at Chris Raybon. And remember, you can also follow us in the Action Network app at the same names, as well as get live odds, in-game win probabilities, box scores, and the ability to track all your bets. Until next week, let's get this money. Go Paco. I less than four and a half. <laughs>